Hey, this is Carl. Are you interested in Xamarin Forms? Do you want to get started with me? Well, if you're going to Dev Intersection October 25th through the 28th, consider going to my Xamarin Forms workshop on Monday, October 24th. It's going to be an all-day workshop. The first half, we're going to set up Xamarin Forms and go through the whole process of getting all your devices hooked up. And second half, we're going to dive right in. We're going to do a whole bunch of stuff, including an MVVM application that you'll be able to use as a model for your stuff going forward. We're going to deal with native components as well as the stuff that's in the box XAML-wise. So go to devintersection.com right now and sign up for the workshop. There's still a few seats left, and uh, we'll see you there. .NET Rocks, episode 1361, with guests Blake Helms and Rob Schieffer. Recorded Thursday, October 6th, 2016. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, we're recording this on October 6th, the day the hurricane hit Florida. There you go, yeah. And it's interesting, it's almost about to hit. We're recording this at like uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon in uh, Eastern Time, and just about now the hurricane is is uh, coming ashore in Miami. The uh, the track on it's crazy too. They're talking about it. Maybe it may go up Florida and then loop back down into the Gulf of Mexico, which is wacky, really wacky. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it, interesting times. And of course, we're saying this a week from now, we'll all know what happened with this hurricane. Yeah. And it may not be funny at all. Yeah, but uh, you know, be safe. Well, we and, never said uh, it was funny, but nope. uh, <laughs> hey, we never said anything on this show was ever funny. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got some fun. Uh, Julie Lerman pointed this out to me uh, for Better Know Framework. So roll the crazy music. Awesome. All right. Tell me all about it. All right. Show 1361. So therefore, if you go to 1361.pwop, P-W-O-P dot M-E, pwop dot me. You will see what I'm talking about here. This is the Alexa Prize. Yes, Amazon.com is holding a $2.5 million university competition for the best conversational AI social bot. Wow. That's not a small amount of money. No. And this is for college students. Can you imagine being a college student wondering how you're going to pay off your student loans and then boom, $2.5 million. Yeah, I suspect it's going to be more than one person that's going to pull this off, but I'm with you that this is an interesting gig. Yeah, the highest performing social bot will win $500,000 and a million dollars to the winning university. Uh, okay. Still, a half a million dollars, that's pretty much just about anybody's student debt. Yeah, that'll cover you, your... If you have more than that as student debt, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. So, uh, anyway, that's what I got. It looks really interesting and, and check it out at 1361.pwop.me. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, speech is coming of age, huh? It really is. And yeah, Microsoft said it. It's, uh, speech is a new user interface. It's, right. uh, it's just another way that we can interact with, uh, with our machines and the, man, the stuff they're doing at, uh, Microsoft Cognitive Services is just amazing. It's astonishing. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right, who's talking to us, buddy? Grabbed a comment off of show 1297. That's the one we did with Sam Basu and John Bristow. We were talking about .NET community, and there was that big survey they'd done, all that good stuff. And yeah. it actually had a really awesome comment that I thought, because it was really, you know, the biggest thing was just realizing, hey, not everybody's using the latest bits all the time, you know? Like, that's just not reality. Yeah. That, yeah. that uh, you know, folks do different things and, and work in different spaces. And uh, this particular comment comes from David Svedberg, who says, uh, Hi, Carl and Richard. Listening to the show alleviated some of my technology envy, especially hearing that I'm part of the 43% stuck in WinForms land. Yeah. WinForms is not going away. Nope. Working in WinForms requires more from the developers if they want to follow good paradigms and practices. And it doesn't help you fall into the pit of success at all. Hey, don't worry, dude. WPF doesn't help you either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think this somewhat explains the 1K plus lines of code in some of our forms code behind classes. 
<sighs> Pain. Yeah. In an attempt of resolving some of our code smells, I'm currently in the process of introducing WPF into my company's traditionally WinForms-heavy server-client CRUD application. Making WinForms play nicely with newer technology is absolutely possible, but I would really like some guidance on what would be the best path to take and to be made aware of the potential pitfalls that I should avoid. Wow, this sounds like a great show. Uh, One word, JavaScript. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Make the bad man stop. <laughs> that's just mean. But a show about making WPF and WinForms live side by side, that's a great idea. Yeah. I'm stealing that idea, David. And so if you could find someone who's willing to spend an hour talking about WinForms, it would make me feel even less marginalized than this show already has. We've done that. A few of them, not that many. Maybe yep. not enough. Right. Uh, great show as always. Keep up the good work. And that's from David Svedberg. Uh, and Sam from that show did comment back and say, don't feel marginalized by WinForms. You're part of a very large group of people. Right. But I do totally buy in uh, that there's some conversations to be had about making WinForms play well with others in general. Mm. And uh, and does it make sense to migrate or do you do a dead drop? Like, that's a good conversation. Right. So I will tackle that for you, David. Uh, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin and he's at Rich Campbell. And send us a tweet. We pass them out in lieu of Halloween candy because, you know, <laughs> that stuff will kill you. It's just bad for you. <laughs> it's bad. And candy corn. It's not candy or corn. Stop Disgust. it. Just stop it. Just stop it. It's, it's sugar-flavored wax is what it is. Okay, so let's welcome back to the show uh, Blake Helms and Rob Schieffer. Blake is an Agile Development Manager for EBSCO Industries, a global company with businesses in a range of industries, including information services, publishing, and digital media, outdoor products, real estate, manufacturing and distribution, and business services. Oh, my God. Is there anything EBSCO doesn't do? Uh, they're headquartered in Birmingham, Alabama. And there he's responsible for several core business applications, and he's been a driver for software craftsmanship and creating a culture that promotes mentorship and continuous improvement. Blake is incredibly passionate about technology in all areas, from writing code for work to audio and video production for his church to automating his home. Rob Schieffer is a solution architect for EBSCO Industries, obviously the same description of EBSCO. And uh, now that EBSCO has embraced lean and continuous delivery, uh, Rob's focused most recently on improving speed of value delivery for his division and working to standardize practices across the enterprise where practical. Beyond the joys of software development, Rob enjoys family time, church, blogging, and long walks on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you ought to get some hits with that one rob there you yep. go <laughs> get some likes welcome back guys thanks it's great to be on the show yep it's uh it's really good to be back so uh let me have you guys in identify yourselves by sound blake hi this is blake helms and rob and this is rob so you guys sound kind of similar, but you know what's great about you guys is that uh, you're audio heads, so you're actually recording with microphones and doing a multi-track recording, and you've got Skype sounding pretty good, so I, I feel pretty confident we're going to get a good sounding show. <laughs> yep, we even have pop screens and boom mics. It's it's impressive. Blake's definitely the audiophile. Wow, awesome. My motto is if uh, anything's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. Yeah. I have a similar motto. Nothing succeeds like excess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about uh, .NET meetups. Now, this isn't a new idea. Hey, everybody, let's get together and have a, a, a social slash nerdy time. What, uh, where have you guys taken this idea? So, I mean, it's, I don't know that's really much different than most uh, other communities. Uh, we, we just we didn't have a community anymore. So back in, in the 2005 time frame, we had a really active .NET community. And honestly, it's one of the ways uh, besides .NET rocks that I learned .NET. Uh, so I started out in PHP and other terrible languages and uh, learned .NET by going to user group meetings and, mm. and uh, get, hearing from those presenters, listening to .NET rocks and over time, you know, the the, uh, the folks that were kind of leading that group uh, didn't have as much time to, to commit to it. And, and the group just kind of waned. And 
started meeting inconsistently and, and it was just kind of missing from, from the, uh, from the area. So this is in Birmingham that you guys put uh, a group together. Yep. Birmingham, Alabama. And where, how far does it draw from? Uh, you know, I would say it's probably, uh, mostly just the immediate area. You know, we've, uh, Birmingham is one of the largest, uh, metro areas, uh, as far as distance is concerned. We have lots of folks that have to travel into the, the city proper and lots of, uh, areas around the city, uh, that, that have, you know, places to work and things. So we have one of the longest commutes in, in the country. Uh, but, you know, we, we try to centralize, you know, where we meet so we get most, uh, we make it most convenient for, for a larger group. Uh, but I mean, I would say in the, in a square, um, you know, 60, 80 miles, uh, or so. Okay. So is this a, an official user group status or is it just, Hey, every once in a while, we'll all say where we're going to meet and when, and, and, uh, you just sort of put it together ad hoc. So, uh, it, it's as close as, as, as official as, uh, you can get without it just being completely sponsored by Microsoft. Mm. We, uh, set up a, a meetup page and have uh, created a you know consistent time to where we're having at the same time and uh, location date every month uh, because that's one of the things that we've discovered uh, that makes this a lot better for people is to be consistent and to uh, let people know that every time they come they're gonna they're gonna get good uh, speakers they're gonna be there at the same time it just makes it a lot easier to plan for yeah okay yeah so for example we we meet it every Tuesday night uh, of each month. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get that consistency together to where, you know, we've had uh, speakers that weren't able to make it to, to the presentation that they committed to for various reasons. And so we always have some kind of backup available as well. And so it's just about being able to meet consistently and have good content, like Blake said. So is it once a month on the first Tuesday or is it every Tuesday? It's every third Tuesday oh, third of the Tuesday. month. Gotcha. Yep. Cool. So, um, and you guys have presentations just like user groups. Is, is it, does it tend to be more social than a typical user group presentation or do you not differentiate it that way? We, we did try to make it a little bit more social. Uh, so one of the things that we had going for us is we knew the organizer for the sequel uh, group, Still City Sequel here in Birmingham. And okay. so he already had a, a, a place to meet uh, and had a group going there. And so we, we, we talked about it with him and, and he had a great idea that, Hey, why don't you just come on the same night that we have our meetup? Uh, and the two groups can network together, you know, sharing the food and, and getting, uh, the, the meeting place together. Uh, so, so it's, it's definitely got a social aspect to it, but I, I think we cover a lot of the same types of, of activities that a, a typical user group would do as well. We also really want our presentations to be interactive. So we, we encourage people asking questions throughout. And it even kind of went down to uh, the decision that we made to call it a meetup as opposed to a user group. We wanted to kind of eliminate some of the, the connotations that you might have when you think of an old school user group of just somebody getting up there talking for 45 minutes and going home. We wanted it to be very active uh, and, and uh, have a good place for people to network and talk amongst each other. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our friends at Stackify. Hey, you know, .NET developers are writing better code these past few months. Well, the thousands that are using Prefix are anyway. Stackify built Prefix to rapidly improve their own apps. Now they've decided to share it with the rest of us, which is great. No .NET profiler is easier, prettier, or more powerful, and people are catching on. Twitter is a flutter with stories of saved bacon. Go to bit.ly slash getprefix, and we'll hook you up with a free download. And it's, I mean, Meetup is literally a website, right? Like, this, this seems to be the new driving force behind what we, I guess we could call a modern community versus a traditional community. Yeah, absolutely. And there was already so many different Meetup groups in Birmingham. It, it's a great way to, to find, you know, folks that might be interested in .NET uh, with our user group as well. So, you know, we're able to advertise with those groups uh, in addition to, you know, the typical uh, advertising that you would do. And Ineta's gone. You know, it's it's almost like it's time for a different way to approach the 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 .NET community. Because another aspect of this, of course, is the open sourcing of all the .NET things means there's a community going on on GitHub, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, we we've even gone. We're starting to talk about coming up with some some open source projects to work on as a group outside of the you know the one night monthly meetings. So that the, the community can have kind of an ongoing conversation, something to work on, 
you know, there there are uh, uh, groups of, of programmers that are working on civic projects as well within the the, the area uh, that we've talked about doing. But uh, you know, we uh, we've started some of that. We haven't really formalized it yet, but it's definitely something we're thinking about. I'll sign you up for Humanitarian Toolbox. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think it's an interesting aspect of this whole thing of when you have a community, there's a bunch of things you want to do, not only just a conversation about technology as a whole, but also different ways to contribute. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's so many good topics to talk about. I mean, uh, Carl was talking about early on, you know, how, you know, you kind of have a, a good mix on .NET Rocks of, of really uh, technical topics and then also uh, you know, softer skills and things. And, and, and we've definitely found that it's, it's good to have kind of a mix of both to talk about all areas of it. Uh, we, we've tried to do that. We had a, a code camp uh, that we put on along with the uh, Still City SQL group that we called Dev Data Day. And so it was a mix of .NET topics, SQL topics, and soft skills. Uh, and it, it ended up uh, doing really well. We had over 100 uh, folks in attendance and wow. lots of great speakers from all over the place. So it, it it definitely showed that, that, you know, you got to have a really good mix of content uh, to be successful. And so do you call it a .NET meetup or is it, uh, are you trying to sort of not put yourself in a box, you know? No, I mean, not, I think we're open to calling a meetup, a user group, whatever folks are familiar with, you know, but we're definitely looking uh, for feedback from the group uh, to, to figure out, you know, where, where do we, where do they want to take it? Because if they're not getting value out of it, it's not worth doing. So you don't really attach the .NET moniker to it? Oh, no, we do. So if you go to meetup.com and search for .NET in Birmingham, you'll find it's, we call it the Birmingham.NET Meetup. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we're not hung up on the name, really. It's just, you know, whatever way we can engage the community and get folks to participate yeah. is what we're after. My point I was after there was that the moniker .NET has changed in definition since, you know, the open source and uh, .NET Core and all of that. It used to be synonymous with Windows technology, and now it's more like C-sharp and related frameworks on cross-platforms technology. Well, and that was uh, also one of the things that uh, was a driving force behind starting the meetup. Birmingham is a big .NET town. All the uh, large industries here uh, use .NET. And so we wanted a way to start kind of evangelizing that .NET can be used for other things than just you know your your classic uh, you know ASP.NET web forms websites and things that most people think of when they think of .NET and a lot of our uh, presentations lately have been structured around showing off core um, and and showing that on platforms other than Windows just to kind of really get get people that are involved in big enterprise software and get them thinking about all the other ways that .NET can use as well as evangelizing you know to the local community as uh, startups look at Birmingham that .NET is a uh, is a technology that should be considered because there's a lot of talent here. Yeah. And so how easy was it for you guys to use meetup.com? Why did you choose to use that? Meetup.com has actually made it uh, a lot easier uh, as far as the organizational aspect. It offers several different tools, things like the ability to print out name tags and handle all that. Uh, we also when we were looking around, we noticed that there was already a large contingent of people in Birmingham that were using Meetup for running theirs. So we knew that there was a pretty good mix of people in Birmingham that would be on there. So that helped uh, get the word out. Uh, yeah. But Meetup has been a, a great tool for us. Yeah, it does all the event management and, and uh, uh, membership uh, features for us. And so it's really easy to send out information about upcoming meetups or, or message the group uh, via mm. email to talk about, you know, what, what's coming up and, and how they can participate. And I guess it's also good because you can look and see if there are other meetups that are doing what you're doing in the area so that, you know, you're not just, you know, having another competing uh, group, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause we, we have a, an open source group here in Birmingham. We've got a Java, JavaScript, uh, there's various, there, we have a game development group. So, you know, we, we definitely tried to network with those folks to let them know what we're doing. And then we look for what they're doing in, in the area to, to try to coordinate. Do you get people to come in from outside Birmingham to speak? Um, and do you, do you fly them in? And how do you manage paying for that? 
So, you know, we can talk about the financing, but bottom line is we, we don't have any money. So, yeah, uh, we, we can't afford to fly anybody in. But, you know, we, we've gotten some really good response from, uh, you know, surrounding areas. Atlanta uh, has got some some really great folks there. And actually, our first uh, presenter for our for May was Mark Dunn, so yeah. has, who, who has some history with .NET Rock. So he it, sure it, does. it was a great draw for our first meetup. Uh, a great presenter and had some really great content to present. So, you know, we're trying to reach out. You know, we're, we're definitely utilizing our contacts at Microsoft. Uh, Joe Darko, who is um, the program manager evangelist for the Southeast region, has been super helpful in helping us advertise the events, help us to get food sponsorships from Microsoft, uh, introduce us to a lot of people. Uh, has, has definitely sent our name around to, to help us look for presenters uh, he also told us about uh, technicalcommunity.com, which is Microsoft's uh, community uh, page to help um, you know community organizers get resources and uh, f- for the for the groups that they're doing. So I think it's kind of the 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 alternative to Ineta, which was re- dissolved, but uh, it's been super helpful. You can just uh, submit a form to try to get sponsorship and advertising uh, for each of your events. Uh, so that's definitely a resource that others that, that maybe have a community going now and need some help or want to get a community going. That's definitely a resource they can use. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, so beyond that, just as far as setting setting up uh, the, the user group, you know, we started back. Uh, we, I think we had the idea maybe in January. Uh, and then in February, we started getting things going and, and trying to get stuff together in, in hopes of starting in May. Uh, so we had lots of planning to do. We you know, had to set up the meetup.com site, had to start making contacts and figure out who who we could get to present, all those kinds of things. Uh, but there was there's a bunch of uh, uh, mundane uh, tasks as well. We 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 decided you know we we would need funding at some point, so we needed a tax ID number, and we had to associate and have articles of association. We had to uh, set up uh, as a nonprofit, so we could take those those funds and and manage them appropriately. So. There was stuff like that that was, you know, more mundane and, and less fun. It also seems more formal, too. Like, to do that right off the bat surprises me. I've met a lot of user groups that had nothing more than a free location and a website. And sometime later decided, oh, I guess we better organize. I mean, what were you guys thinking? Well, you know, one of the things we, we didn't want to go off half cocked, you know, so we wanted to make sure that. Uh, we started the user group off, uh, you know, very well. We wanted to make sure that we weren't going to just immediately run into, you know, issues with not having any resources. Right. I mean, even down to, um, you know, we, you know, we designed a logo and, and tried to do everything as professional as possible because we basically had one chance to make a good first impression. So we wanted to give the best impression of the .NET community that, you know, this is this is something that uh, we're going to be investing in. This is something that's here to stay uh, so that people are willing to get involved. So how did you reach out to folks? Was it just was putting up the meetup page enough? How do you get 100 people showing up to one of your events? So uh, the meetup, we, we got you know quite a few people from meetup, but we also leveraged a lot of our own contacts and did networking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we reached out uh, like even to the HR department here and I sent out emails to pretty much everyone that I know in Birmingham, the technical community, uh, several people within uh, the company. And, you know, so a lot of it was word of mouth. Um, and uh, Birmingham, we always talk about is when it comes to technology is a small town. Everybody knows everybody else. Sure. So, uh, it, it was real easy, you know, in that way to get the word out. And, um, you know, over time we've, we've been very successful with it and people have continued to spread the word. They, they like what they're getting and they're, uh, they're telling their friends, they're, they're bringing, a, uh, extra people. And, uh, we've just kind of seen a lot of organic growth. Yeah. We've averaged, I think about 40, uh, uh, registrations per event. Now you usually don't get that many that actually show up. It's usually about 80, 90% of that for us, which I still think is usually pretty good. I think a lot of other groups. Yeah. It's- That's very high. Yeah. My experience, free events, 50% fall off is not unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. We've been really fortunate from that perspective. So, uh, but then we've, we've done some special events too, like, uh, the .NET comp event. They, they extend that with .NET comp local events. Uh, and so they, you know, Microsoft offers to pay for food if you can get presenters together. Wow. Uh, and 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 set up a little. Uh, uh, we we actually set up a little mini day conference. Uh, you know, some some user groups are just doing like one nightly event or something like that. But mm. we thought that was a great opportunity to get folks in on a weekday during work hours to to present a good amount of content and really deep dive into some of the core 
aspects that, that had just come out. So, you know, for that one specifically, we really pushed hard. Uh, and, and I think the difference there, we, we ended up with, I think, 104 registrations and 90 uh, attendees. Wow. Uh, so that, that, one's, that one went really well. And, and I think the difference was we, we started reaching out and asking folks to personally call other people that they know or message them or talk to them face to face and talk about how, how important .NET is. And, hey, this is a free event that you can send your staff to to learn about .NET and what's coming in the future for .NET. Wow, that's fantastic. Richard and I are going to be involved, we think, in uh, this year's .NET Conf. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's a great thing. For those who don't know, that's a, a virtual conference that Microsoft does. Right. And one thing we decided, yes. And one, one thing we decided to do was, um, we did original content for ours. So we based it on the, the sessions that Microsoft was provided, but we didn't want it just to be a regurgitation of what people could go online and, and watch. So, uh, for it, we decided to build a real world application, um, so we did a uh, an application for managing conference attendees and sessions and things like that. And me and Rob and several guys from my team, you know, worked after hours and uh, built a full .NET Core application uh, using with uh, Xamarin uh, apps, an app running in a container in Azure, uh, even an Apple Watch app. And one of the things we did was I did all of my development completely on a Mac. We had another person on the team did all their development on Linux, and then the others did it on Windows. And so it gave huh. us a lot of really good insights so that when we had the, uh, the the conference, we had a lot of questions come up. And because we had built that practical experience and we, we structured all of the sessions around a unifying theme. So we had this one application, and each person's session was dealing with a certain area of that application. So it, That's brilliant. it made it feel a bit more real than just uh, showing a, you know, demo hello world app on, you know, one platform. Yeah. You know? And, and to be clear, so the .NET Conf event is a virtual conference by Microsoft, multiple days, lots of well-known speakers that you know, and then they extend out and, and they want user groups and other uh, organizations to have local uh, in-person events to extend that. And so that's what we did. We actually had 100 or 90 folks show up at, at Samford University, which is where we meet, mm. uh, and and spend, you know, seven hours or so uh, going through and learning .NET and, and seeing, you know, what what has changed from the old version of .NET, uh, you know, where where is it going, where are they investing. Uh, it was a really, really good event. That seems so cool. I mean, some of the best times I've ever had with a group of people who I may have met online, but just have recently met is sitting around a conference table with about 10 people. You know, we all log in to, uh, to GitHub and everybody takes a, a piece of an application and just, you know, hammers on it into the night, you know, and this is a lot like what uh, the humanitarian toolbox does at their hackathons. Right, Richard? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, we've come to appreciate that the most valuable thing that comes out of a given codeathon is the contributions after the weekend. You know, my goal always is to use the codeathon as a, as a gateway drug, get you addicted to helping save lives with software so that you'll keep, keep contributing. Yeah. Hey, speaking of that, um, is, is anything going on for, uh, this hurricane with humanitarian toolbox? We don't do stuff that is event based. There's enough organizations doing that. It's, it's very intentional. Uh, we, we build software in the quiet times so that it's ready in the busy times. But yes, we were, we are working with some teams around this. Good. So your software will probably be used. We hope. Uh, that's an excellent question. Generally, disaster response is more complicated than that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's we're, we're definitely getting involved. Well, Richard, you know what time it is now. It must be that happy time again. Yep. It's time to announce meetup.com. That's spelled oh. M-E-A-T. Up.com. It's a refuge for angry ex-vegetarians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you knew I was going to go there. That's I just, figured you would, yeah. I, I mean, how could I? <laughs> you open the door, I got to walk in. It's actually time to give away a de-experience subscription from Developer Express to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first... 
Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant.net solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com slash superhero. Well, all right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Renzo Fraschini from Leicester, UK. Congratulations, Renzo. Yeah. Golf clap for you, sir. Golf clap for Renzo. Uh, Renzo just won the D Experience subscription. That's a big pile of awesome for my friends over there at Developer Express. And if you don't know what we just did here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you have to sign up to win. We also like to ask our guests, and we'll start with you, Blake. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? Well, uh, one of the, the things that we've been doing with the meetup is uh, we shoot video every uh, every session so that we can post it on YouTube. So yeah. I think I'd want to uh, beef up my video gear. I'm, I'm shooting with a Lumix GH4 mirrorless right now, and I absolutely love it. And there's several lenses I've got my eyes on that I could very easily eat up $5,000 with. Easy. <laughs> Easy, yeah. Wow. Okay, Rob, how about you? Yeah, so I think uh, I, I've been uh, holding on to this cell phone for a little too long with a shattered screen. I've been holding out for the rumored <laughs> Surface phone because I'm a big Windows phone fan. Even wrote a book about it a couple of years ago. Hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm holding out, man. I still think it's going to win out. So I'd probably buy you know five or six of those things and hand them out to the people that I love. I think you're going to be waiting for a while yet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm afraid so, too. The Windows phone just has the best UI. I'm sorry. I mean, I have I have yeah. all sorts of Apple products. I'm definitely not uh, paid by Microsoft to say that. I like the UI best of all of the phones. Yeah, I do, too. I, I, the HP that just recently came out looks interesting. So I definitely want to look at that one, too. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm hoping they come out with a Surface phone sooner than later, for sure. Hmm. Here's the hoping. So I love this idea of having virtual coding sessions where people chip off a piece of an application and do that. And I can even imagine like tuning into something like uh, the game networks where you can watch people play video games. But instead of watching them playing a video game, you sort of get an over-the-shoulder view of what they're doing. And you can sort of see multiple people on a team at a time. And as they communicate and as they talk through how to build an application, I think that'd be a really valuable thing to watch, let alone to participate in. Don't you think? Yeah. So, I mean, I've actually seen some folks doing that. So we, we use some open source uh, code from David Whitney, who's in the UK. And I've seen him on Twitter talking about how he, he does live coding se sessions every once in a while. And it, it's, it's, it sounds like exactly what you're talking about, where he just starts coding some cool idea and people there and, and asking questions. And, and ha he, so he has an audience. And uh, it seems like uh, it's definitely something that's worth doing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Have you all ever uh, seen the website livecoding.tv? No. So it's basically like Twitch for programmers. Uh, so you can go on there and, um, you know, find people doing a particular language or a particular project. And so uh, I've sat and watched people like, you know, code games in Unity and, and all. And it, it's funny because you'll like look in the chat room and somebody will make a typo and you've got like eight or 10 people like, hey, you just made a typo. <laughs> so it's like, you know, pair programming to the extreme. Wow. I'm, I'm looking at the page now. Uh, that looks incredible. Very cool. Wow, very cool. So they have, and they have videos that, uh, they've recorded, obviously, but then you can watch and see what's going on live at the same time, right? Right. Jeez. Very cool. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Gotta have to do some of that, Richard. Yeah, it's an interesting idea, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, I think a number of times we've, uh, streamed making podcasts too. You know, it's all 
part of the equation. I'm always fascinated by people's interest in seeing uh, the sausage being made. True, true that. Hey, I want to jump back a little bit more to this, you know, folks thinking in terms of maybe I should do this in my area. Can you talk to me about the venue? How did you get this relationship with this university and what does it look like? So uh, we actually made a, uh, we have a contact with the SQL user group here in Birmingham and they had already worked with Sanford and uh, the computer science department there to uh, get this location. And it's, it's fantastic. It's centrally located. It's a great space, more internet than you could ever possibly use. Um, and, and it's just really served us extremely well, as well as we've gotten several students even attending some of our meetups nice. uh, wow. that, uh, you know, they heard about it uh, through, you know, the advertising we do around there. And so they've come and they get to network with professionals from around Birmingham, which, will, you know, hopefully end up with uh, them, you know, maybe starting their career here. Yeah, I definitely think that's one of the biggest parts of our success. And we got to give a big shout out to Greg Kaywell, who's the professor over there that helps us with that. Uh, you know, he's printing signs for us and putting those up and making sure everything's ready for us when we get there. I've heard of so many user groups that, you know, rely on on maybe a corporation or somebody to use their space. And, and sometimes they get there and the doors are locked and, and they don't have anywhere to go. So mm. uh, Greg's just been outstanding in be, being able to, to help us with the, the monthly events at night. We've done a couple of, of daytime events. Uh, he's really just gone uh, over and above to help us out. So that's that's definitely one of the big uh, reasons we've been successful. There's got to be a powerful angle there about him being able to mix his students with people in the industry, too. Like, it seems like a very uh, win-win scenario. Oh, yeah. Not not just for his group. But he's definitely interested in that, trying to get the, uh, the college kids to c- come to the events and learn about you know, how, how real developers are doing this stuff, uh, in, and at work and, uh, get, get more information about it before they get into the real world. But I think also just for Sanford, uh, as a whole, you know, they, they want to, uh, be working with the community and, and have a, a kind of a, a technical angle to, to the services that they provide to the community. So I think it's a win, win, win. Yeah. And I would think the cornerstone there is approaching, Com side professors. I mean, you already had a, a connection that led to this guy, but that that's an important part of it. We, we sort of forget that they're actually keen on helping their students be successful in the industry. So any opportunity to have an industry relationship like that is it's pretty mm. valuable. Mm. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, just again, being able to meet at, at the same location uh, every month is just huge. You know, we I've been to other user groups before where, you know, it moves from venue to venue yeah. and, and are, are, you're never sure where, where it's going to be. And every time new logistics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's tough. Uh, so that's definitely been a, a big win for sure. And one of the other big benefits, you know, being a college, uh, you know, they have lots of classrooms available so they can scale up and scale down depending on the size of our event. So when we're doing, uh, you know, the code camp, we were able to use most of an entire floor. Uh, and then our regular sessions, we have the choice of several different rooms, depending on how many attendees we have. So it makes it really easy not having to worry about, are we going to have way too many people? Or are we going to, you know, have a giant room with hardly anybody in it? Um, you know, they, they scale up and down. They're, they're kind of like the, the cloud of, uh, location. Nice. Uh, yeah. Let me throw another idea at you, and I'm, I'm curious, as a, as a guy who's been around user groups and, and, and meetups in, for, I don't know, three decades now, God, I'm getting old, um, <laughs> why not charge a membership fee? Yeah, so actually, we've considered that, uh, not just for the meetup, but, you know, for special events, charging a, a minimal fee. Um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, thinking about how iLearn.net from the user group went back in 2005. Uh, you know, I don't know that I had the money to even do a minimal fee like that. Right. And, and I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from, where it, it gets people bought in and they're more likely to show up. Yes. Uh, but I think, you know, by, by making sure we have engaging content to be consistent in our, in our meetups and our, in our communications, uh, I think that has given us, you know, a, a lot of that same benefit and having, you know, uh, you know, a large percentage of, uh, folks actually show up. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think we're achieving a lot of the same thing without uh, the the potential blocker of, of uh, you know, even a small fee. The other aspect of that also is you end up with sponsorship uh, in order to fund certain things. And you kind of have this conflict of interest then about what your sponsor's needs are versus what your attendee needs are. Mm. So, you know, one of the arguments in favor of an attendee owned and operated group is that we're the ones in control of what happens. Yeah. 
Sure. Yeah. One of the things we definitely did in preparation to start the meetup was to come up with uh, uh, an outline of, of what sponsorship meant. Uh, we have, you know, we have different levels, but uh, you want to be really clear up front with anybody who, who was interested in sponsoring that, you know, we're not going to give you our list. You know, we're going to give you some time to talk about who you are and why you're sponsoring so that you get your name out there a little bit. Uh, but we're, we definitely are, are trying to manage that to, to make sure you know, they, they don't get a presenter slot and they're just, it's just a big sales pitch. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that definitely uh, distracts from, you know, what we're doing and, and the goal that we have. But honestly, you know, it's been tough to get sponsorship. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had some companies talk about it. And, you know, part of what, you know, we, we try to do, like Blake said, uh, right from the very beginning was was to make sure that we've got all our ducks in a row to, to show that, you know, we've got, um, you know, a tax ID number and a bank account and all those things. So it's it's not like dealing with, somebody off the street. So, um, you know, we, we've tried to make sure that we, we give them very few excuses not to work with us, but even then, you know, uh, enterprises move slowly. So we've got to get on budgets and, and all those kinds of things. But honestly, it's been tough. You know, we've, thankfully we've had the support of Microsoft for these first yeah. few months. They've paid for most of, uh, the, um, the, the lunches or the dinners that we provide. Uh, you know, thankfully, obviously, there's a lot of time involved. So for Blake and I, you know, working at EBSCO, EBSCO was was uh, passionate about being involved in the community and, and growing and, and making the .NET community active in Birmingham. Mm. So they're not only are they allowing us to use some of our time at work, they they have been one of the only sponsors so far to put some money on the table to say, hey, here's here's some funds to go and help use. Uh, and get this thing going. So ultimately, you could probably put it to a vote to your members whether or not they wanted to be owners of content and, you know, pay for it versus be, you know, constantly scrounging for sponsors and that kind of stuff. I think I, if I was a member, I'd want to vote on that. Absolutely. And and one of the things that we did when we first set everything up was come up with a set of bylaws and all to, uh, you know, help manage all of that. Uh, you know, we decided, you know, for, for to start off with, we, we went the sponsorship route because uh, we, we didn't want to create any kind of barrier to entry, kind of like yeah. Rob said earlier, because I know, you know, I, a lot of my career and my success has been because people invested in me and spent time and, you know, stayed after a meetup so they could uh, answer questions I had. And that's one of the things that, you know, now that I've become more senior and, you know, I see junior developers and, and, and I've, you know, felt a burden that there wasn't those uh, resources available to people, you know, the new junior developers that I had when I was coming up. And sure. so, you know, one of my, my programming heroes is Bob Martin. And, uh, yeah. you know, he, he always talks about, you know, if something's important enough for a senior developer, then, uh, it's important enough to, to have a junior developer do the work. And, you know, we, we call that the uncle Bob rule here. And, um, <laughs> that's something that I really wanted to push. And so I feel like, um, you know, part of my success as a, uh, in, in as, as a programmer is not just how technologically savvy am I is what am I contributing back to the community and how am I helping other people be successful? So, you know, one of the other things is we, we we're trying to make this all feedback driven. So we definitely want to get uh, that feedback from the, the group to say, you know, what, what do they want? Because, you know, two guys trying to uh, figure out an, an agenda for an entire year of, of, of a group uh, is probably less valuable than the group saying, here's, here's what we're interested in. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we know that it's harder specifically in December, usually because of the holidays and all to get together, but we still wanted to do something in December. So we're just gonna have a social event and uh, there's not going to be any formal presentation. But part of that is we want to use that as a, as a, uh, another way to, to get that feedback and maybe do like an open spaces type thing where we ask folks to post uh, post-its on the wall of, you know, here's what's going well, here's what's not going well and really driving that in addition to all the surveys that we've done uh, and, and uh, other other ways that we've asked for that feedback. So I think that's really, really a, a key point to uh, making sure that you're you're taking into account what what the community wants. I'm really glad you brought up the social thing because I was about to ask you, uh, how important is that in your general meetings? Like how much time do you allow people to just socialize with each other and network? So, I mean, in, in general, uh, you know, because we have the .NET group and the SQL group at, at the same place at the same time, we, we definitely try to leave between 15 and 30 minutes in the beginning for folks to grab some food, talk to, to other people uh, and and have some of those conversations. Uh, we typically then do do the presentation and that's usually about an hour uh, and we'll have questions at the end. And then we always have folks that stay after that even to to talk about it further 
uh, ask further questions and, and pick the brain of the presenter typically. Yeah, I, I think that's really, really important. It, it, it can be difficult if you all decide to go out to a restaurant or a bar just because, and you probably know this, unless it's a really special place where you've got a lot of room, you know, bringing 50, 60 people into a club, uh, first of all, it's usually loud. And second of all, it's usually hard to get seating and and all of that. Have Have you done any of those like sort of uh, pub clubs or anything like that? We haven't, uh, for this, uh, social event that's coming up, we actually have a local company here in Birmingham, uh, that's going to be, uh, offering their space. They have a lot of, uh, really good space that makes it a great, uh, area to use for social events like this. And, uh, you know, they're providing all the, uh, the things that go with that. Even at the university, it can be tough, right? When you're expecting a hundred people to show up for a little one day conference, yeah. you got to think about parking and, and getting the food together. And it's, it's, it's a bunch of work. So, I mean, uh, Blake and I had to think about it pretty tough in the beginning to think, can we commit the amount of time that it's going to take to really uh, drive the community and not just let it, uh, you know, fall over uh, a month or two after it started. So, yeah. you know, as far as tips for others that are starting it, it's know that it is a time commitment. And again, we're, we're so thankful for EBSCO to give us some time at work to do that. But obviously we're working at home as well on, on trying to prepare talks or, or whatever it is. Uh, so de- definitely consider the amount of time. And before you start something, make sure not only that, that you can commit the time, but it's, it's definitely good to have a couple of people involved. I'm, I'm thankful for Blake and, and everything he does with the audio and video. Hmm. And, uh, you know, when I'm not able to attend because some work trip, Blake can fill in and vice versa. So definitely you need, you need to make sure you have the time and make sure you have a, a core group of committed folks that are going to, uh, really see it through. You know, this is the volunteer aspect of this to me is very interesting because many groups and many other volunteer driven things, it always comes down to just a couple of individuals. And I think it's very challenging to grow past those individuals. Like, how are you going to resist burnout? And, and how do you get new volunteers really engaged? Because most of your members are, are not going to volunteer in a meaningful way. Well, and that's one of the things that that we've been very thankful for, that we've had several people that uh, very quickly have stepped up and has started taking on uh, roles within the meetup and uh, helping with presentations. Um, and so that that's taken a lot of the load off of us. And part of that, you know, the, the aspect that we talked about earlier about trying to uh, make sure that it's interactive and that we're getting people involved is we're trying to uh, grow the community and have people involved in the community, not just spectators. And I think that that whole approach to it has helped uh, get people wanting to get involved. And I think because we took some time up front to make sure that we're doing it you know, well and professional, people realize that, hey, this is something that's going to be around and they people are excited to get involved. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's really easy to try to hero up and just do it yourself. Uh, but I think part part of what Blake is saying is, you know, we, we're, we're trying to challenge the the members of the group as well and asking them for help. And that's that, a lot of times that's the hardest part is realize that, you know, you, it, we're in it for the long haul. Right. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And so, yeah. you know, if that means we need to pull other folks in and, and specifically ask, hey, we need your help. Would you be willing to do something uh, is a big part of it. And, and in the end, it's helping those individuals as well build up uh, soft skills or, or whatever it may be. Right. So, you know, Richard and I are no stranger to events. We've done many, many events. We've both done .NET Rocks road trips a few times across America. We've done road trips in in Europe, and we continue to do more to this day. And we can tell you the single biggest expense is food, you know, and it's the logistical problem as well. Is it reasonable to attempt to try a meeting where people BYOF bring their own food? Yeah, I definitely think so. Uh, and, you know, we're going to try to support it as long as we can, because, again, it's just one other uh, potential bl- blocker for folks coming. Uh, but and like I said, thank, we're thank, very thankful that Microsoft has kind of stepped up and, and is helping with that. But, uh, you know, they have budgets as well, and they're trying to share share that support around to multiple communities. So, yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're hoping that by the time that runs out, we've got corporate sponsors that have seen six months of activity and we, we've, we've shown that, you know, what we're providing is valuable and it's worth their time and their funds to help us do that. Okay. So somebody who's listening out there looking around on meetup.com and saying, Hey, there's nothing in my immediate area. Maybe I should start 
one of these things, what what is the first thing that they should do? So I definitely think it's you got you got to make sure you got that uh, you can cover that time commitment. Um, you know, I, I, I if I had to guess, I'm probably spending uh, two hours a week uh, on this, maybe an hour at work, an hour yeah. at home, trying to get things together and plan ahead for you know presenters for the next few months uh, and those kinds of things. You know, in addition, we're, we're we have these special events. Uh, like the .NET Comp local event, we just did a Xamarin Dev Days, which was really good. Nice. Uh, we did the Code Camp uh, Dev Data Day. So, uh, what, and what's cool about those is those help drive uh, further membership, right? So we definitely see spikes in our membership uh, uh, numbers, updates, and communications about what's going on and what's coming. Yeah. But going back, I mean, it's 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 about making sure you can commit to that time, uh, and and you, that you're going to be in it for the long haul. Uh, I mean, other than that, we've got some tips probably that would help others. Blake, you want to cover one of those? Sure. So one of the things that, uh, we wanted to really ensure is that we're consistent. Yeah. So part of that is we decided that we were going to, uh, each come up with backup presentations so that if a presenter was not able to make it, that we weren't canceling because we wanted to be, uh, every month, same time, same location. And that's even why we, you know, we decided to do the social event is because we talked about it and we didn't even really want to take December off. Um, we wanted to, to keep it going. Hmm. So having people ready as backup presenters, um, is, is really good. One of the other things we did is we send out reminder emails two weeks out and then the day before just to kind of keep, keep people up and make sure they know that it's coming up. Um, we've, uh, like we said earlier, we record the sessions and we post them on YouTube. So that way people that may be thinking about coming but not really sure, they can go on YouTube and quickly see, hey, is this content that I think is going to be useful to me? Um, and so it helps uh, spread the word that way. And then, um, you know, we've we've definitely leveraged meetup.com uh, yeah. for all the tools that are built into there. Things like printing out name tags, uh, doing the event tracking, keeping up with all that. It, it's just made our life a whole lot easier. Yeah. yeah, I think the, the other thing I would add is don't don't be afraid to pester folks. Uh, you know, m- most people have hundreds of unread emails in their inbox. Right. And so when you email them asking for some help, uh, they have all the best intentions to help. But uh, sometimes you get dropped to the bottom of the list. So I, there's been several times where I have to go back and, and bump a few threads. And in general, most folks are, well, thank, thank you for reminding me to do this. I, this dropped off my radar. So don't be afraid to pester folks, ask for help and, and uh, uh, keep going. Very good. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, It's been a pleasure talking to you, and good luck in the future and to the future listeners who intend to do it in their town. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a time boy. Life is hard.